When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. De studio de Ed Stuff à Dublin, vous écoutez à Mother Folklore, un podcast de la langue irlandaise et la culture irlandaise. I'm Derek O'Shea. And I'm Claudia McGinley. And you're very welcome to today's show. Clara, have you seen this new Vodafone ad? The one with the, um, the boy with the cross. <laughs> you have nice horses. <laughs> that one. I think I have. I think I have. Do you believe that wee girl is actually French? God, no. <laughs> the way that she says bonjour. It, like, she didn't even try. I'm sorry. Like, what were they thinking when they put that in? I am going to miss you. But, like, the, she doesn't even say, that's better, though. She doesn't even say it like that. I'm sorry if you're the actress in the audience. It's not your fault. It was the director that effed that up. <laughs> but, like, they didn't even attempt to make her say, like, bonjour. Ooh. Like, something, like, my French accent is terrible. And I definitely effed up that opening as well. So, if you're French and you're listening, then very, it's very trimmed. sorry. Don't worry. Oh, good stuff. Okay. Nice. But, yeah, no, that ad was atrocious. Truly atrocious. I mean... It's funny because it, it, it does hark back to a tradition of Irish advertising. Hmm. You, you might ask your mom and your dad when you go home, but uh, ask them who's taking the horse to France. Oh, yes. okay. Basically, I'm intrigued. Kerry Gold had a series of ads and they normally revolved around an Irish gal and a Frenchman, a handsome Frenchman would be in town for some reason. And say sometimes, yes, they'd be staying in the house and they'd be, a person would be bringing a horse to France. And during this time, there'd be a kind of very subtle very chaste flirtation where they, their eyes would cross across the table as they both stuck their knives into the carry gold at the same time and one time there was a french teacher who's in the school and she he was flirting with this irish girl who's a teacher and he goes oh carry gold do you have this in ireland too oh god no and so this, <laughs> there's a long tradition of um as ireland started seeing itself as more and more european having these ads where they would have a um a french a french man and an irish woman flirting with each other over some butter because, you know, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing says nothing, romance like butter. <laughs> nothing says romance like butter. <laughs> Older listeners might be familiar with a film set in Paris, which involved butter. <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. But, and during the, the very early days of the recession, the Kerry Gold kind of uh, subverted this trope by having a um, an Irishman leaving Ireland with a German wife. And the mother saying, oh, we always export our best stuff. Oh, Referring I do remember butter, that one. I do remember just. that one. Yeah. And then they caught an absolutely devastating final line was his feet will touch Irish soil first. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't it that lovely? But 
one of the reasons we spoke today this is you have recently completed a degree in Trinity in Irish and in French. I have indeed. And my French is still terrible, unfortunately. No, no, you're too modest as always. But <laughs> it struck me as interesting because when I was watching this ad and particularly Vodafone had a double kind of series of ads this, this summer where they had one ad where with a child going to the Celtic, mm-hmm. a young girl going to the Celtic for the first time. And this one where a young lad had a French exchange. And it's occurred to me that these are the two languages beyond English that Irish people are most likely to be exposed to in the educational curriculum. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly Irish and French, and sometimes you'll get German or Spanish. But I mean, French does seem to be the most prevalent one. And, um, you know, people say that it's one of the more straightforward ones. Like German is a really hard language to learn. You shouldn't do German for the junior search because it's much, much harder than French and everything else. So they say. So they say. But, um, you know, I would actually argue that German is a little bit better because it sounds a lot more like Irish. You have the kind of the ch sound mm. and all the cultural sounds, whereas French, like I still can't do like the French or, or there are certain other sounds that, you know, are very, very specific to the French language and they're mm. very hard. This is the thing because, uh, like, we've, um, French is interesting to me. My father uh, was a French teacher yeah. uh, before he was a school inspector and he was, um, and he went to university in uh, Dijon after he finished in UCC. Hmm. And he was always, all his life, had a very intimate love of France. We always watched any elections going. We were very, very interested in, in election coverage. But French elections were always fascinating. <laughs> they really were. Obviously, those you have they have a particular quality of scandal in France that oh, you yeah. just don't get anywhere else. <laughs> like, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you, it was always really fascinating. French culture was fascinating. The... Um, the kind of the all the things the wine the food the um the literature and that's but also what's the way French is particularly interesting because it is such a popular second language, like English is a popular second language, but the France doesn't have the same um relationship with its dialects as English does. Like English people might you know turn their nose up at American English, but French people hate Canadian French. Mm. This is very true. And they're also very much, um, I don't want to say against, but I am going to say against. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're kind of regional languages and kind of regional dialects and everything mm. else. And they say that Swiss French, they can't understand Swiss French, but it's so accented and everything else. Mm-hmm. that it's just, it's not French at all. But then they say that the people from Quebec are more French than the French themselves. And obviously the French hate that because, you know, who could be more French than the French themselves? Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely like an underlying animosity the hmm. whole time. You can never please the French language. This is the thing. And I think this is we will we'll get back to that. I had a French uh, housemate a few years back before I uh, formed myself and his motherfucker moved in together. Mm-hmm. And his name is Pierre, classically enough. Oh, yeah. And a great guy. And once he was giving out about, uh, he was giving out about the various kind of uh, French representation on television. But he was saying, oh, what is this show? You know, it has a... The, the mother and the daughter, they're both brunettes and they're always drinking coffee and talking fast and they have a, how you say, uh, the pop culture references. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, hey, yeah, he goes, oh, and there's this guy, they say he's French, but he's, oh, he's, he's Quebecois. <laughs> and uh, and the, they think they can pass him off as French. And obviously this is the Gilmore Girls. Oh my god! And he's referring to Michelle. And Michelle, the actor, was actually um, Canadian, Canadian yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe Quebecois, yeah, or, or French-Canadian. Mm-hmm. And it struck me as just very um, interesting. And then this is um, the, and this was repeated in the in the the Brad Pitt Marion Cotillard movie Allied, mm. in which case uh, he plays Canadian, she plays a French woman, and she criticizes him on numerous occasions for his Quebecois French. Mm. 
And it is definitely seen as a separate language, you know. I mean, there are whole books on Quebecois and mm. everything else. And, you know, it's not seen as a part of France itself, even though it very much is. I mean, mm. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, the French themselves are very, very proud of their own language and they have such a high standard of their own language and everything else. And in a way, that's actually not dissimilar to Irish. Yeah. In the sense that the French have the Académie Française, whereas we have, you know, the Kaijon Ifigul or whatever else. And, yeah. you know, it's a very... um. It's a very elitist way to approach the language, I suppose, you know. And they're also very, very strict on their grammar and everything else, the way that we would be in Irish. And they're, you know, they're fiercely proud of it. And anything that comes into the country has to be translated into French. And, you know, they refuse to acknowledge anything into English. And, yeah, I mean, even Macron himself says that he wants to make French. First of all, he wants to make it the third most spoken language in the world. But Mm -hmm. then he wants to make it the most spoken language in the world. And he wants to really enhance the use of French in Africa and everything else too. That's his latest plan. And this is the other thing that whereas the a lot of the former British colonies have this there's a certain amount of linguistic diversity there. The actual former French colonies have still have the still have the, the French still cast a long shadow on them. I think that and that they in some ways maybe the French might be even more linguistically aggressive. Obviously we are we're very aware in Ireland of the the issues surrounding getting a language act passed in Northern Ireland and mm. why should it be the only part of the United Kingdom that doesn't have its own language acknowledged in some way. But the, the like French Africa is, I think, wherever there's, um, compared to, I suppose, the maybe I guess parts of uh, India, Sri Lanka, and so, and so forth, There's but there does seem to be less linguistic diversity there or certainly tolerated or there. As Will that be a fair statement? I think, yeah, no, it is a fair statement, definitely. Like, I mean, maybe not that there isn't there is linguistic diversity. It is present, but it's not acknowledged. And it's kind of, it's pushed under the rug a lot on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, say, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, yeah. they don't want to acknowledge Congolese languages and whatever they may be. And then even in Algeria and stuff, French is the first language. But then you also have the different types of Arabic, like in the different tribes, like the Berber and the, there's another tribe as well. They'll come back to me later. But mm-hmm. they, you know, the... The francophonie, the actual body that kind of regulates French and, you know, yeah. says that they have 52 or 53 member states, I think, or something. And then like 80 something kind of, you know, places that like French was spoken, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, they're very, very forthright and they will never be tarnished and they will always, you know, fight for French as much as they can. And, you know, it's it gets a little bit insufferable at times, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. And it's uh, particularly when the... One of the reasons that French linguistic aggression is of particular concern to us, and you know we do love France here, oh yeah. But the, obviously, you know, with the advance of Brexit, first of all, there is um, the ongoing status of Irish being um, being observed and respected, and then there's also the fact that Ireland will be the biggest English language speaking jurisdiction in the EU, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful opportunity for Hiberno-English to assert itself. And we know that the stat the actual official English of the European Union is awful. It's oh, awfully yes. written. Those, those, the actual, I'm, I'm not sure if the if the French translations are as bad or if the German versions are as bad, but certainly there's, um, there is a chance for, effectively, much as Tuscan has been decided to be the official version of Italian, there's a chance for Hiberno-English to actually assert itself as the kinder, nicer version of English that is the official English of the European Union. But also that our Irish continue to be respected, and both of these things are in the hair are in the crosshairs <laughs> of our French friends. 
They absolutely are. And I mean, yeah, no, they do. They are going to have a lot more significance, I think, in the future. You know, mm-hmm. the French language will become even more significant because, you know, once the UK is out of the way, mm-hmm. the French will try and assert themselves even more, I would argue. You just can't turn your back on them for a second. Oh, no. <laughs> Scoundrels, <laughs> so they are. Claudia, many moons ago when I was doing my orals mm-hmm. for my leaving cert, during my Irish oral, I slipped a French word in. And oh, during, during my French oral, I believe I may have slipped in. I may have said top pronoun. Good Lord. Shame on you. I don't believe I'm the only person who's had this shame. Oh, of course not. Sure, I did it in my university orals. <laughs> I definitely said oui, non a couple of times in my Irish orals. And then in my French orals, you could think of an Irish word, but don't think of the French word. It's a very, very common thing. And I mean, you know, even for someone like me who's used to dealing with lots of languages at once, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's you are powerless to stop it, quite honestly. And it's very, you know, I mean... You shouldn't really try and stop it, I think, at one level, because it just kind of goes to show that you are multilingual. It's fantastic to be that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if a word slips out here and there, it's not the end of the world. But yes, it does happen very, very frequently, even though Irish and French aren't similar at all, really. They really aren't. Um, They're worlds apart, like. Famously in The Hostage by, or Anguille by Brendan Behan, there's a character who is referred to as Monsieur. He was an Irish language enthusiast, an Irish nationalist of sorts. And the, effectively, the idea was that there's no title equivalent to, you know, sir or in, in Irish. And they effectively decided to find one in French instead. <laughs> and obviously, yeah, the, the fact is Monsieur was the, was rich. But there's um, it does seem sometimes that official Irish has taken its lead from French in some ways. From the fact, that, as you said, the, the, the network surrounding the language, the, the officialdom surrounding the language, they've taken a cue from that. Mm-hmm. It does definitely seem that way. I mean, with Irish, you know, that standard would always be there and that kind of really high standard would always be there. But they did definitely take some kind of influence from the French, I think, and they kind of saw they could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Académie Française is ludicrously strict with how they um, interpret English terminology and everything else. And you would never, I mean, over their dead bodies, would you see something like balloon coming in the way we have it in Irish for a balloon in English they have a balloon as a ball isn't it in French ballon yeah ballon (laughs) (laughs) same thing (laughs) this is the next thing the faux ami oh jeepers yes there are so many and I mean honestly like you will never know them all Mm -hmm. Um, but even you know like I can't think of any off the top of my head I suppose one would be like jolie jolie means pretty but then you know jolly in English is jolly happy yeah that's right and jolly and it it's seen as a code word as well for being plus size as well, mm, which isn't cool. No. <laughs> but the thing is, at the same time, when we've, um, as we move away from explicit words for for being for, for being overweight, we do the implicit words become more powerful, which is a shame. And I said, I suppose this is this is an ongoing issue with language. And I often wonder, as even I'm very concerned about language issues in relation to certain things, especially a disability. And sometimes I wonder, though, that while if we remove certain words, we say these words are completely out of bounds. Then do certain, do new words replace those, replace that hatred, replace that misunderstanding or not? And it's something I've, I I agonize about a lot. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, for now, yes, jolie means pretty, but jolly means jolly. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think you, you know, you think of jolly as Santa Claus and stuff, as opposed to, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, jolly is a lovely word in fairness, but it doesn't mean pretty, you know. 
sir doesn't. And you've excelled in both Irish and French in school and in university. What do you consider the different challenges? Because we know, say, French has a lot of irregular verbs. Mm-hmm. Irish doesn't. Uh, French has, say, our Irish has a fairly straightforward past tense. French, less so? Arguably less so, yeah. I mean, you have the imperfect and you have the preterite, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. I suppose with French, there have been so many more like language learning methods that have been kind of employed like across the world so where mm. you don't have like that in Irish. You don't really have, to my like recollection anyway, I can't think of any acronyms that would um, entail all the irregular verbs in Irish, you know, whereas in French, the acronym Mr. Van Stramped is for all the verbs that take être in the past tense as opposed to avoir. Um, So I think because French is such, it's seen as such a world language, Mm. it's um, the teaching of it has been really, really honed really well and it's taught, you know, in a different way to Irish. So I suppose that would be one key difference. But then I suppose because French is so much more similar to English and there are certain words that are very similar in English that they are in French, whereas with Irish, you don't really have that very frequently and then Mm. that kind of scares people away. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely, it's very slightly easier, I would say, to learn than Irish from scratch if you've never done a language before. But I suppose then as well, once you have French, you can do all the romantic languages. So you can do Spanish and Italian really, really easily. Like they're so similar because I mean, even Spanish and Italian are practically mutually intelligible so you can understand them you yeah. know one or the other um i suppose yeah like there's definitely more positive attitude towards french in school than irish because it is seen as something that can kind of open doors for you whereas irish is like you know you're kind of sitting in a locked room and this is uh going to get on to the next point because so often when um higher the practicalities of studying irish are thrown at us we are you're told oh you know you do a different language and wouldn't it be great and the implication is that if we if we went to the massive expense of giving every Irish teacher in the country, you know, voluntary redundancy or retraining, and mm. we went to the massive expense of, you know, training people up to teach coding or, or Mandarin Chinese or those sorts of things, and we made sure this was done in a way that it didn't only benefit schools in one particular area and that a kid in Mayo would have the same opportunity to study Mandarin Chinese as a kid in Ballsbridge, and we made sure all these things worked, and, you know, as if. <laughs> and then somehow we managed that we just that we were all learning different languages instead with the same amount of hours in school, that things would just suddenly go well. But the we've seen the example of French. And Darabine, when he was kind enough to write the foreword of my book, my first book. Yes. Um, yes book, book. <laughs> book, book, book. But he, he was talking about the, the idea that, that even the, even people who did fairly well in French in school, it, 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 there was no driving past the Champs-Élysées in Paris laughing and, you know, or, or kind of um, people generally, the, the actual amount of, of migration to France uh, was still quite low mm. and even the amount of people I do get people who when they're criticizing I say well sure I did French for you know six years ago I'm fluent now and I say what's the French for fluent pal mm-hmm. and then they give me a look and say oh I know Irish <laughs> <laughs> this is a and that's such a common experience I mean people mm. presume that they can speak French so much better than Irish all the time it's actually not true I mean like it's like the example that you just used I mean if you ask them one word they won't know it I mean it's it, I don't know I mean I think people definitely overestimate how good their French is sometimes for a start. I think mm-hmm. people definitely overestimate how, um, you know, how useful their French is, say, for instance, as opposed to their Irish. They presume their Irish isn't useful because they've learned about literature and God knows what. And in French, yeah. you learn very practical, in inverted commas, French. But the reality of it is that, I mean, you know, there are always going to be things that you can't say in one language, but you can say in the other and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else. Um, 
but yeah that whole thing of you know i learned french for six years i speak about it in my irish like it honestly like it's not true half the time they're mm. talking out of their holes yeah unless for some reason that they actually have absorbed a lot of french popular culture through films and stuff but oh yeah and they have like french relatives or they go on holidays to france all the time mm. or and something you know, more power to them yeah but I was, I was thinking about my very, well, I did a little bit of French in primary school. After after school, we had a teacher who gave us some French. So we'd have a certain amount of preparation before we went to secondary school. Mm. And one of the sentences we learned was, Où est le centre de Georges Pompidou? That's very specific. And this is, you know, learning directions. Mm. And some parent got very cross and was saying, you know, why? Why is a school teaching my 11-year-old son, how to get to the gay area of Paris. Oh, for God's sake. And I think the teacher must have like, I beg your pardon, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, we all know the centre du Georges Pompidou is in by the Le Marais. <laughs> and that's where the gays are in Paris. And I thought, well, what a leap to make. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, I mean, and, uh, and but it, it's, yes, it is technically true that Le Marais is, is kind of a, a gay, very gay-friendly area. Yeah. And the Georges Pompidou centre is is nearby but the idea, the implication the jump to say oh <laughs> that there's some sort of pied piper kind of uh, <laughs> act, activity tricking children to wander and first of all none of us were going to be seeing powers for a very long time <laughs> yet and then also like what, what a, it was just an alarming conclusion to jump to that's bizarre but that's truly bizarre that's ireland in the 1980s yeah people saw you know there was um there's <laughs> creeping jays everywhere <laughs> but yes yeah, so but you know, at the sort of the centre de Georges Pompidou, you know, it's um, it's we heard a lot about it in school, partly because it was fun to say, mm. but it's not that great. But whereas Paris is fantastic, Paris, yeah, like it is a great city. Like it's different, I would say, to how people see it sometimes. Like I mean, it's quite kind of, I don't know. I think people see it as a very kind of elegant, chic, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful city. But it's actually quite, it's gritty, you know. And I mean, there's a lot to Paris, mm-hmm. you know. It's not all what you see on the surface. And then Parisians themselves absolutely hate how the whole stereotype of Paris revolves around the Eiffel Tower and baguettes and berets and yada. And I don't blame them for that because, you know, like mm-hmm. the Eiffel Tower is definitely not the nicest thing in Paris at all. No. Um, It's very much a stereotypical image you see in a postcard. But, um... No, Paris is a great city, and I mean, it is a very diverse kind of city, and yeah, no, like, it's definitely, it's definitely worth a visit, but that is ludicrous, the whole thing about it. Like, I just, wow. It's, yeah, but I do think, yes, it's certainly you could spend a lot of time really fall in love with Paris and with the artwork and stuff there, but, and is there anything you found, say, from, from your studies of French? So, you know, a lot of people listening now will have studied French in school, but they did not study it in university. How would you say the big difference is? The biggest difference, I would say, is that it's a step up in a sense that you are trying to become French almost. You know, it's very much about, like, Frenchification. Uh-huh. Mm, oh, oui. Ah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> but, like, it's very, yeah, it's very much about trying to assimilate into French culture, much more than it is learning the language. And that can be a good or a bad thing. I mean, I found it interminably boring at times. But, like, you know, it's, I suppose, very, very helpful when you do go to live in France, if you want to go and live in France. Mm-hmm to be aware of the cultural differences because there are you know there are several and i mean the french people themselves like i you know i've had very good experience with the french people because Mm -hmm. i think because i have french and because you know i was able to converse and stuff and at one level i can't blame them at all for being annoyed at everybody coming over speaking english presuming they will speak english as well because it must get frustrating like at one level Mm -hmm. but 
they are very fiercely proud of their language, you know. But then, who are we to throw stones if we're very well, you know, proud? I Irish. think yeah, it's. I think so. Certainly, there's a lot to learn from that pride, and the fact is that they are, they're keeping their own tango protected as well, and they yes. have a <laughs> they have a great tradition. I suppose they have a great tradition of accessible and inaccessible literature. But there's um until quite recently the big experience for those those of us who were you know were young during the noughties uh was the great french culture wars between france and america the freedom fries era uh shrack and there was so much kind of um hatred thrown at france by and this is where the expression anglosphere started really taking over mm. and arguably were some of the really the roots of brexit really kind of kicked in there was always your skeptics but the whole idea that 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 the UK had a unique relationship with the United States that was cultural, that was deeply meaningful, that was rooted in World War Two when the French were cowards, really came from this point. But since then, maybe there's been more, um, maybe there's been a bit more confidence in French popular culture and French music and things like that. For sure, yeah. I mean, there's definitely been a lot more exporting, I suppose, of like French popular culture. I mean, even musicians like Christine and the Queens, I'm not sure if anybody's heard of her, but she was huge, even in Ireland. I mean, like mm-hmm. two years ago, her hit Tilted, it's a great song. But um, there's definitely been a lot more of that, I suppose, too, with the rise of social media. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a hell of a lot more, Um, I suppose, just kind of, I wouldn't even say tolerance, but just kind of people see the French as just people. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot less of a boundary, I would say, you know. Do you ever dip your toe on French Twitter? I do, I do indeed. Is it lit? It is lit. It is very lit. They're actually hilarious sometimes. Like, they're very... Like, French Twitter is a lot more scathing, I think, sometimes than... I mean, Irish Twitter is very scathing, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. But it's fantastic for language learning. Please, like, if you're learning a language, go on to Twitter in your language that you're mm-hmm. learning. Because it's just... It's so I've learned more French on Twitter than I have in school, I would say. Like, in certain respects. Um, but, yeah, no, it's definitely... And they have their own slang and their own everything else. And they have their own ways of saying... I don't even know. Like, I mean... Like they abbreviate putain to PTN, and they, you know, they have all their own little kind of like that would be like what the f or something. And because this this is a great tradition, particularly for viewers who have seen La Hen will be familiar with the um, uh, French slang Verlan, isn't it? Uh, the backward slang. Oh, Verlan, yeah. Verlan, and some of those words they were kind of twisted around, and mm-hmm. that like this long tradition. But there's there's other uh, French internet slang. Is there? There is. I mean, it's not so much that it's like French internet slang so much as it is. They've seen English internet slang and tried to adopt yeah. it as their own. So Putin would definitely be one, but they abbreviate PTN or, you know, you would see, say, kind of very like abbreviated versions of words. So say the letter C in French pronounced C. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to say, say cool, say chic yeah. or something, you could just say say. You could just use the letter C, and oh. that would be C apostrophe E S T, and they abbreviate. They, it's very, very abbreviated. It's almost kind of like you know the way that we started with like abbreviating cool, to like K W L, or like mm. you know, like it's it's funny to see it kind of like on the rise that way. I think this is because there's a there's a, there's a version of of not so much abbreviation when it's it's you have like say when sometimes small spelt S M O L. Oh yeah. Is, it's not just that it's small, it's kind of a cutie version of it. And small. Small. Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously the French has a has a, has a technique of that. I'm not sure if that that truncation has a name yet. I'm not sure if it does. I don't think it does. Hopefully when we get Ruthie Fitz on the show, she'll tell us. Yes, absolutely. But it is it's very interesting to see it though. It's very interesting to see how they approach the internet the exact same as, you mm. know anybody else would I guess not that they wouldn't it's a bit of a stupid thing to say but I mean you know what I mean like mm. it's just it's funny to see it being influenced by English you know but then um, you know I mean like French Twitter it's very 
it is all through French. You know, like a lot of mm. them would speak English, obviously, just from seeing it on Twitter or from learning it in school, maybe. But I mean, there's very much like a very specific French kind of, you know, pocket of Twitter. Mm. With, with its own kind of sense of humor and its own shorthands. Yeah, no, for mm. sure. And I mean, it's so funny because I see them sometimes making jokes about learning English in school or like they say, th- <laughs> <laughs> they say things like, I mean, I saw one and it was like, what? Soon Lang Mill. <laughs> They, yeah no like i mean i've seen them saying things like oh i learned english in school for 10 years and all i can say is yes and no like <laughs> honestly like it is so funny and it's honestly like somewhat reassuring mm-hmm. that like that's a very universal opinion of learning languages that like irish is not cursed like it's just it's, that's the thing we have a we have completely have a survivor's bias when we talk to foreigners who speak english we are only talking to the ones that are actually able to learn english successfully yeah. And we don't talk to the other ones. <laughs> this is the thing, yeah. No, it's funny. So on that note, before we wrap up, do you have a favourite French word? Oh, oh gosh. I'm sure I do. I mean, there are lots of lovely ones. I mean, the word cacahuete means peanut. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, yeah. No, like, I mean, there are lots of very kind of elegant French words, I would say. Or like kind of words that would have come from French into English that are lovely as well. Like even the word elegant itself, elegant. Yeah. Um, I like papillon. Papillon is gorgeous, yeah. Butterfly, mm. that is gorgeous. Yeah, no, I suppose it'd be more like the French sounds I love. Like the LL is kind of more of like a, not like a Y sound, but it's it's like that, so say papillon or cotillard for Marion Cotillard. Marion Cotillard. Mm, that's exactly. So, it's a, uh, a bientôt <laughs> from me. A bientôt from me aussi. We'll catch you next time. Slán. Slán. Hi, it's Clouder from today's show. Thank you very, very much for listening. You can find the Mother Folklore podcast every Friday from the Headstuff Network. You can rate us on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Thank you very much to Kirsten for the artwork for today's show. And thank you very much to Brian for producing. If you're interested in looking for another podcast, you should give a listen to Up to 90. It is another Headstuff show about the 1990s. Definitely worth a listen. If you would like to contact the show, you can contact us at motherfolklore at headstuff.org. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Would you like some more? No. Hey, Dad. Who's taking the horse to France? <laughs>